As a Papuan Australian woman, I want to start this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land that I live, work and create on. The podcast, Our Women, Our Stories, is created on tourable land and I pay my respects to their elders, those who have left us, those who are with us today and those emerging elders we are yet to meet. I acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. This has always been and always will be Aboriginal land. listeners thanks again for tuning in to part four which is the final part of this episode with Arnie Deline, Marley and Ginny. Previously we were discussing advice and recommendations we have for the emerging artists and I'd like to bring you back into that conversation now. Yeah that's exactly right you know if you're if you've got the ambition and the passion then everything else will come you really need to put in the, the effort and really just not give up. I've had so many obstacles and, you know, if I didn't push through, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And, you know, through my business now, I'm able to support other black businesses and watch their businesses thrive. And for me, you know, it's so important putting money back into the the black economy because that leads to, you know, more financial independence. Got to keep the black economy alive. (laughs) Um, you know, one thing I think the common thread that all of us keep coming back to is legacy. That's the most important thing because, you know, I'm, I'm a product of my grandmother's legacy and she's a product of hers, her mother and, and her mother's mother. So, you know, um, that to me is probably one of the greatest driving forces behind what I do. Um, but like I, I mentioned it before, there's those three main things that are the reasons why I do art and it always comes back to it is wawa is the spirit, um, healing and legacy. And, you know, when I look at what I'm doing, because I was a young mum, I was, you know, 20, uh, 20 when I had my son. So um, my first son and I always thought about you know, I had opportunities um, to do things uh, like pop music and go down that road, but I always thought about my kids. I wanted them to look at what I did as an artist and be proud of it. And um, I wouldn't have had that kind of way of thinking if I didn't have my son, so, you know, at that age. So, um, yeah, I often just think about that. It's like, well, how is this going to benefit like what you were saying, sis, um, is how is this going to benefit those after me, those those generations to come? It's it's always, and I think that that's um, that's really what sets us in as Indigenous people sets us apart from the rest is that we aren't just thinking about ourselves. Yeah, we have to make money and we have to um, live in this system that we live in, and that's important too. Is knowing your business. Uh, knowing it from the inside out, what what needs to be um, done, also growing your business and working with people to do that, but making sure that when you're, uh, when, well, what I've always done is I've always made sure that I'm the boss. So, you know, when I'm doing projects, um, I'm the boss of what goes on creatively and artistically because it has to come from my well or my spirit because it's um and that's really important too is not to lose that 
because there will be people that will try and push their opinions on you on how they think it should go because the budget restricts us from doing this like think especially things around consultation with our elders and our mob like be really conscious of that that's like should be um captured in the budget for your projects and it shouldn't be an afterthought oh maybe we should get some petrol money to these mob no mm. their knowledge their experience their um and their their existence is invaluable it's a the reason why i exist and it's the reason why um we do what we do is because of their knowledge so value it and make sure that you're always um make you know have that captured in your budgets these are things that i wish i um this is knowledge i wish i had from the beginning of my career not towards the middle and then from now I'm doing it. But so that's these are things I want to pass on as part of my legacy. And there's a lot of our mob talking like this now too, that, you know, um, we need to make sure that people's intellectual property uh, is protected as well. So we, um, as uh, have been working um, to create our own ICIP agreements so that uh, when people bring music to us and we record it, they sign an agreement to say that they've gone through all the correct protocol to record this music. And so any mob come back to us, we say, no, these mobs said they went through it. You need a deal, talk with them. You know, everyone being accountable also for what they do as artists. So, uh, you know, we're just try trying to um, move things in a way so that our mob and it's not just so that our mob feel protected and we feel protected, it's also that the music itself is protected and people can't just sample that music or um, go and sing that song and, and record it, you know, because they want to sell a hit record or whatever or they want to use it for a movie. So it's about protecting those people as well and their artistry. So in our in those forms, we talk about if anyone wants to use this music, they need to go back to the um, copyright owner or to the traditional owners of this music. And, and so we're trying to, um, that's a part of our legacy is uh, creating these agreements or these pathways where our knowledge stories songs are all protected and that belongs to that group of people and the, that family and that song that song man or song woman will decide who gets that knowledge and who will learn that song but also it also gives our mob um, the opportunity to say actually no i don't want to record that we always give that all the way is actually and i don't i don't think that that's the right song for us to do because um, once it's recorded, it's out there in the world. So, you know, just create, looking at all of those things um, and that's, is a part of our protocol in our arts. Culture is not, like I said before, culture is not separate to your professional artistry. They're one and the same. And that's what um, a lot of um, non-Indigenous people don't understand is that uh, I, I got asked to do something, oh, this choir wants to sing in your language, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, well, you might better come up on country. You got money for that? You had to meet, go up on the country, the language you want to sing in, meet my elders, 
talk with them how to pronounce them words you want to think I can teach you but how they're gonna feel that they see this bunch of non-indigenous people singing in their language oh, they didn't have money for that and it was too long a process and it, well then it's not gonna happen you know this is our process this is how we do it and and stand strong in that stand mm. strong in that and you'll feel it like I didn't nobody taught me that I just felt it and I know it because it's in my DNA and that belongs specifically to me as the Yalanji woman that this is the process I need to take and it and that when people it'll weed out the people that want to exploit your culture and your language and who you are so um, yeah just stay true to your culture um, like what um, well, like what both these sisters says, it's all it's about legacy. What legacy do you want to leave for the next generation? Um, that's the biggest question I can probably leave for the next next mob coming through. Is what is your legacy? Now it was at this point where we took a quick break, um, and when we came back, because I was too invested in this conversation after our short interlude, I forgot to press record on the audio clip, so my sincerest apologies. Um, when we got back from our quick break, I asked the question, what is next for you, your artistry and your business, and Ginny started sharing about her focus on wanting to pursue fashion school and to design a more sustainable form of denim, and here's the point where I started recording again. Um, yeah, so I think for me, it's like, I didn't expect to be working in this area. Um, but I think it's been one of those channels that I've been able to use to, again, um, talk about um, culture and blackfellas and um, talk about the inequalities and um, the issues that our community faces, um, just in a different way. Um, and I think I will continue to do that work. I also am interested in helping other black businesses. Um, uh, that I think is the next phase of what I will be doing, um, helping um, small black businesses, you know, we need that redistribution of wealth and um, creating, again, that legacy for the next generation. But yeah. Sustainable fashion is what I'm really, really interested in. And that's, I think, I will continue to do. Yeah, so uh, I just started a business with my partner and um, it's about two years young. It's called Gubba Music. And Gubba in my language means um, rain and in, in Motu means drum. And so we just picked a word that, um, there's quite a few words that are similar, but we picked a word that fit um, our business. And so what we're doing with that business is um, uh, a series of large scale and even smaller scale uh, concepts that create pathways for mentorships to have more, um, build capacity in our industry so that in the music industry, we can get to a point where the entire event can be 100% um, Blackfella run and led. So, you know, training people up in marketing, training um, young ones up in, in production, stage management. Um, yeah, all the different, all the different sectors of the music industry. Um, 
and we also you know want to work with fashion and, and you know just creating platforms for our stories um, because the truth telling is is a huge driving um, force behind what what I want to do and that that brings about healing just to hear the stories um, can help other mob heal so that's what's next for us uh, we've got a few big concerts coming up next year uh, and uh, heaps of little ones the other thing I wanted um, that we're looking at doing is smaller smaller things um, concerts that come that highlight the songwriter and their stories uh, so, but that we can create a network of uh, uh, what do you call it like live streaming so that we create a network of live streaming that goes to all different Aboriginal communities in the country uh, and they put on their own events to live stream these concerts that are really intimate um, with you know uh, and with everything I do I try to make it intergenerational so that we have young ones old ones you know mid-career people so learning from the elders in our in our industry uh, and also learning to sh you know show respect because one thing I've found is that uh, some of the young ones coming up through the ranks um, or coming up into the industry they aren't um, openly acknowledging the mob come before them and there's a lot of people doing first things which actually they're not and it's a lot of times it's not our mob saying that it's mainstream media and other people saying oh this is the first time this um, everyone anyone's ever wrapped in indigenous language this is the first time anyone and I'm like wait I know mob that have been doing this for 20 years it's not the first you know so just um, you know schooling our young mob like hold on wait just you know come back a couple of notches and listen to what these elders have actually done and uh, so that they're learning about our Aboriginal music industry history. Uh, so it, what's next for us is that, but also um, the other side of that is we are building um, a publishing and aggregation company so that we can promote Blackfellow music and create pathways to passive income uh, because the hardest thing as a musician since COVID is that we can't work. Um, and realizing that there's so many of our mob that were in the same boat as us. I lost all my work on March 12th last year. And so we decided to um, create uh, online platforms to sell our mob's music for the and um, you know in the in the most using the best practice that we can with those ICIP and respecting their intellectual property as well. Um, so I just we're working at uh, creating more pathways to passive income so our mob don't have to be out there doing gigs every fortnight or um, you know not getting gigs and not being paid because there's a lockdown they can still earn an income based on um, the integrity of their cultural stories songs and music that's what we're up to <laughs> well for next year I'm hoping <laughs> Once everything settles here in New South Wales, that I can start travelling. I've um, had quite a few jobs put on hold, so I'll be back to work and travelling. Um, one of my jobs, I've been lucky enough to 
the art studio is on a quit smoking campaign. So I'll be traveling around Australia. So that's it's going to be amazing to meet new people and see new faces and visit different countries. But I um my goal for next year is to travel and be able to provide my services to elders. So it's been a dream of mine to to um capture our elders on different countries as you know we were talking earlier with that legacy. So I know personally with my family um, there isn't enough images of our elders who have passed on to the dream time. So I wish, you know, we did have those those memories, that legacy. You know, we're quite lucky that um, they've passed a lot on with this with knowledge, but I would have loved to have these images to show my children. So I'm hoping next year to travel and, you know, offer my services and do this for them, for their families and communities. And also get into mentoring. So I've been collecting some camera gear to donate to some young photographers who's interested into, you know, developing their career and moving forward. So I'm hoping next year, fingers crossed, with um, no more lockdowns that I can do some mentoring and take these young photographers out with me and then for them to start a career out of photography and start earning income. But yes, I've got a lot of um, plans and I just need to put pen to paper and start working on those. But yeah, most excited to travel and just meet new people. It's my favourite part of my job is just learning about other mobs. And that is the perfect closing to this episode. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. And to close, I wanted to leave you with a few questions to consider because an element of this project is that we are constantly learning through the conversations that we have. So here are some things. Number one, what legacy are you creating and what example are you setting for these emerging elders in your community? What is your sole focus at the moment in your work and practice? And what is it that you value and is it in your best interest? What forms of arts and cultural practice do you use to heal yourself and your community? What presence do you bring to a space? Is it one to elevate the others around you? Is it one to teach those you're in space with? Or is it one where you are perpetuating negativity and ignorance and you need to make some changes? Are you allowing the true masters of knowledge to be those masters in the space you're facilitating or participating in? So those are just a few points to leave you with. And finally, I want to send a massive thank you to Ani Deleen, Ginny and Marley for your participation, your kindness and your wisdom. Thank you also for the listeners for giving your time and for sharing space with us also. And now I would also like to share an opportunity for you as the listener to participate. Are you someone with a story to share around the themes of this project or do you know someone who could contribute a lot to this conversation? Please get in contact with me via our website, my email or my Instagram page, which is M-O-A-L-E-J-A-M-E-S, all one word, Moale James. I hope you've learned a lot in this episode and that you'll be joining me in the next episode of Our Women, Our Stories. Thanks again.